This is Hawkside Guns Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to Hawkside Guns Podcast. We are back again with uh, my homie, Jake. Hello. And uh, we were just talking about uh, different gun experiences and having guns and being men of a certain age and and, uh, all that before the show. We figured we'd start recording at some point. Well, and and what we were about to go into is just funny because I, I being someone who takes medication for depression and anxiety and a lot of the politics that goes on today, everybody every once in a while looks at me and goes, and you have guns? <laughs> and, and it was funny because when I first got into this, it was something that a few people questioned that I had just suffered from depression. Did Were they not worried that I was trying to get firearms in order to, shall we say, take myself out? And my response to that was actually kind of interesting. It says, there goes, no, no, no. You see, you have to understand is, is that I've gotten into firearms because I've decided that I want to live. <laughs> Zombies, <laughs> apocalypse, whatever it is. Wh- whatever it may be. It's not the fact that I want to take myself out. It's the fact that I've decided that I'm paranoid enough and want to live. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was the exact, it was the opposite end of that, that whole problem for me. It was not, not the fact that I was suddenly going to use one on myself but the fact that i was going to stop someone from using one on me well you know that's fair comment i think i uh i have i have just spent uh the last couple of weeks you've been you'd have been so proud of me okay um, i have uh well first let me let me uh say this um i don't i can't remember if we talked about our last cast but i got i know we talked about uh getting one but i got a bursa thunder 380 Yes. Um, and I shot it and uh, here just recently and then again last weekend. And I, I think I put around, I don't know. Well, well, you, I mean, you, you sent me the picture of the, uh, the silhouette. Yeah. Yeah, I did pretty good. Uh, for me, that's pretty good. I, I'm, and I'm disappointed. You're getting better and I'm getting worse. <laughs> uh, I can, I, at 15 yards, I, can, I, I, I now have a pattern. Um, I can put things pretty much where I want it to go. And I put, I don't know, uh, between two weekends ago and this last weekend, uh, probably around 600 rounds through through the, uh, about uh, 250 or 400 the first day and about two, 250 the second day. And, uh, cause 380 is actually reasonably inexpensive to shoot. So, yeah, it's it's only a couple dollars more than nine millimeter. Yeah, I mean, and and you, I'm just getting you know full metal jacket round nose stuff. So I mean, it's it's yeah. not like high dollar stuff. And uh, actually, if you're like me, it's the cheapest shit you can find. I mean, yes. I'm just disappointed that Walmart doesn't sell anymore. I just have to go to Cabela's. Yeah, I, I'd put whatever round nose, dirty, rusty stuff I can get and load through the gun. Um, I picked up an extra clip for it and, uh, just kind of just been shooting the living tar out of it. And, uh, a couple of things occur to me. Um, one, I've tried a bunch of stuff. Uh, my brother and I, um, uh, my brother has, uh, recently kind of gotten back into guns and, and he's always like everyone in my family's a better shot than me with pistols, at least used to be. Um, I can now hold my own with a, th- with a burst of 380. I'm not going to say all 380s. I'm not going to even say pistols because the only one I really know how to shoot is that one at this point. And he picked up a Taurus 357, uh, ported barrel slab side 
beautiful stainless um revolver full, i'm assuming yeah uh five inch barrel four four and a half five inch barrel i mean just beautifully standard taurus revolver and uh he was rolling 38s through it and held a pattern of roughly the size of a of a half half dollar uh piece with the entire cylinder uh, which was really annoying at 15 yards um now it took him a couple tries to get there and all that kind of stuff but he was having the same problem you are in that his eyes and his glasses are not uh agreeing with him as he has progressives as well and he's just like i can't because he takes forever to shoot now it's very accurate when he does line it up and finally get off a shot but to, for him to roll through that entire seven shot cylinder it's about a minute and a half. I mean, it's it's a long time. I'm like, what are you doing, yeah, dude? Because it's hard enough to find the actual original sight picture to start with, and then every time you shoot, you have to find it again. Yeah, and uh, he's like, I don't know where I'm looking. I'm like, at at the target. What are, what are you talking about? And yeah. and of course, well, I threw away my progressives immediately. Like, I got them. I paid like a couple hundred bucks for them. They sit in a box in my drawer because I can't. Like, I type for a living. And, like, the keyboard looks like it's three inches away from my face, and the screen looks like it's about three feet. So I just went ahead and got computer glasses, and those are the ones I wear all the time. So the sight picture it, is not different for me. And it, and it's funny because um, for anybody who doesn't know, progressive lenses have different focal points on each part of the lens. So those of us who are old... And As we have, are. <laughs> ...and have different problems seeing different things at different distances... What it does is it gives you the ability to move your head around to see certain things properly. But the funny thing is, is that it is it takes some people time once you put them on to get used to moving your head versus just moving your eyes. I the funny thing I found out because the part where we're talking about with shooting is is that it's difficult once you put a firearm up in front of your face, look down the iron sights, and try to not only line them up as you normally would. But to find the spot as to which you have to hold your head to get a proper focus on the on the actual sights themselves, it, it's almost impossible. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is, but the funny thing is, is that it, as much time as I had spent just in the original getting the glasses and figuring out how to hold my head on a day to day basis to drive, type, whatever it may be, I, you know, in the uh, getting frustrated enough with the shooting, I actually tried putting my older ones back on and found out that the problem works in the opposite direction too. <laughs> that you start getting used to having certain focal distances for things like typing, driving, seeing your cell phone, looking at your watch, uh, reading, etc. that once you suddenly lose that, it, it's it's a whole adjustment going back in the opposite direction. So you're screwed so either way at this point. Yeah, so basically I'm going back to my original concept and the fact that I'm going to have to invest on red dot sights for both of my pistols <laughs> or, or or a laser or something of that nature. Um, yeah. Or maybe or maybe both. Uh, it's just the fact that I was hoping that it was going to be less expensive just to put an older pair of glasses on my face versus spending a couple hundred dollars per firearm on sights. Apparently not. No, I'm not that lucky. <laughs> I did, uh, well, I, I couldn't even get that far. I, I wore the progressives for about a week and said, well, this is this is crap. I'm not wearing these. This is very confusing. I got headaches from them, you know, and I was constantly, like, moving my head and my neck. My neck hurt, you know, from being 
like cocked at a certain distance and in a certain angle for so long. And I just went back and I, I just got a single prescription and now I can shoot, you know, I mean, it's, well, it's fine, but, but you know, it's worse than progressive lenses that, that, uh, my, uh, ophthalmologist tried on me, which is uh, when they give you contact lenses, but a different one for each eye. Oh no. Yeah. They I can't you, even they imagine. Get, they, they decide which eye is dominant and they give you a distance one for the dominant and a close up one for the non-dominant. <laughs> And I don't know oh, what's happening. Uh, oh, that, 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 I, that I, I couldn't make it out the front door. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting back in her chair going, this isn't going to work. This is not. <laughs> I am not happy. <laughs> well, I, uh, I was very surprised. I, I, the first, uh, the first couple of times I was dealing with the, the whole, um, pistol shooting because i haven't shot pistols in a very long time other than a 22 and this was the first kind of defensive pistol shooting i had been doing i did my research and i, I found one that fit my hand and and i thought was going to be enough and as i as it turns out it's a perfectly lovely gun uh it's it's soft to shoot it's got a three and a half inch barrel so it's a little bit more accurate than some mm -hmm. other concealed uh, models that other people uh have it's big for a concealed gun but it's not the size of a nine millimeter um, it's, uh, it's got an eight round magazine. Um, uh, and you know what? It's, it's everything I wanted the 38 revolver to be. This is, um, and, and, it, and it holds more rounds. It does hold more rounds. And, you know, I mean, t technically speaking, you could, you could stuff nine in it, one in the pipe, eight in the eight in the mag. And it's like, okay, well, this is, this is a serviceable, firearm for me i can actually shoot it and uh, i went shooting with my father who uh for those of you who are very new to the cast it, like two of you um <laughs> there my my father was ex qualified expert marksman in the military um now this was in the 70s okay or 60 you know late 60s 70s he was in vietnam and stuff but he was a uh, qualified expert marksman with a pistol and marksman with a rifle and he was he it was and is very good. Uh, he can take a nine millimeter at 15 yards and bounce a can, sometimes hitting it while it's in the air with a pistol um, with his with his modify heavily. He's done everything you could possibly do. To, I can't do that. Yeah, I, I, well, I can't either. Um, but he's he's done everything you can possibly do to this uh, Gen 3 Glock nine millimeter Glock 19 uh, C that uh he's redone the trigger he's redone the you know the the slide he's redone you know, i mean everything everything um but he can take that thing and just put it wherever he wants it well he took and had uh i think one clip with my bursa and he goes well you know sean that's a, that's a nice gun it's it, i can see why you like it and at the time i had put i don't know maybe 30, 40 rounds through it, and I was having some problems with uh, keeping the pattern where I wanted it. I'm like, God, here we go again. He goes, you know, the trigger pull on this is very long. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to half pull it just before it goes to snap and then hold down for a second. Just hold on. Now pull it. And he was right. It's a long – it's for for me, well, you know, well, compared to his modified Glock, it's a very long trigger pull. It's very strange, um, but – at least for me, that that I would be able to even hit anything. But if you pull it a little bit, um, you know what? I, I brought the the pattern in at least twice as twice as much as I was. I went from an eight inch pattern to you know about a four and a half five inch pattern. That ain't bad, you know. No. 
um, at 15 yards. Now, you know, longer than that, I'm, I'm not so hot. But, you know, I'm learning to shoot with it, and I'm learning how to how to deal with it. Um, much, 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 much better. I, I don't embarrass myself whenever I, I pull out a pistol now. <laughs> um, at least that one, anyway. Uh, at least that one. But, uh, you know, we shot that for a while. And then this last weekend, here's where you're going to be proud of me. I, uh, we went out and shot with what I call the millionaires club. My, uh, the, the guy who owns the ranch, he owns several businesses and all his friends own ranches and they own businesses and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a bunch of like very well to do rednecks. Not a I'm, one of them have cheap guns. You know what I mean? I, you know, one of these days I hope somebody will refer to me as a well-to-do redneck. I doubt it's going to happen, but, I, <laughs> but I'd love to be referred to in that fact. Well, you know, like when 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 society people buy toys, they buy like a Ferrari. When these people buy toys, they buy like a monster truck. You know exactly. What I mean? I'd kind of like to have both, but that's not here. Yeah, you know, like one of them owns a welding company. The other one owns a construction company. One of them owns an oil company. I mean, it's just like a, it's just a bunch of well-to-do rednecks, right? They buy very expensive toys, but they're not the same kind of toys you might see out in Beverly Hills. So uh, we are the by far the cheapest people out there. We also brought the most guns. Because uh, we never go anywhere out there because we're always buying and selling and trading and fixing and all that kind of stuff. So we bought a trunk full of guns, which is why everybody was out there. They wanted to buy some stuff, sell some stuff, do other things. And we we're perfectly fine with that. What they brought out, there were two AR-15s out there. And uh, Okay. Now, I'm, I'm curious. Was, you, was Buona there with you? Yes, he was. And huh? he would not shoot it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I was. That's where I was curious. Uh, yeah, he's... That man hates the AR-15. Well, I mean, and he's given me this speech before, and I understand it. I mean, he's watched. I mean, he was there in the early time before they even polished the inside of the bolt or the, the chamber to so that they would rust shut and it wound up killing people, you know, because they couldn't fire their weapon. He's he's watched that happen firsthand, and he does not have a fond memory of an M16 or an M4 um, at all. And... <laughs> He wouldn't even touch him, wouldn't even touch him, uh, which is fine. You know, it's not a big deal. But I had never really fired one before. Uh, and there were two examples of them out there. Uh, one's kind of big and beefed out, had a big shroud around it. It's 5.56. Five, and, man, uh, just a big noise and had a red dot sight on it. And we were shooting at uh, probably about 75 yards. And I unloaded about three or four clips of 50. Um, okay. Just, he's like, just pull it as fast as it'll go. And, of course, you do that. And I, I mean, I wasn't hitting shit, you know. <laughs> no, we were aiming I for mean, a tree it, stump. <laughs> I couldn't even hit the tree stump at fifty yards more than like three times, you know. Well, and and that's actually about right. That's why most, you know, rapid fires are three shots. Right. And uh, the the other one he had out there, or that they had out there, and I don't know whose exactly it was, but they had this big can on it. And I think he called it a blackout or blackhawk or uh, I don't remember what it is. Three hundred blackout blackout yeah and it sounded i'm not kidding like a pellet gun just there's a reason for that which i'm sure you already figured out 300 blackout is actually meant to be sub where you can get 300 blackout in subsonic yeah well it uh it sounded which 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 you're not going to find in a 556 or a 223 this thing was just it just it sounded like a pellet gun 
It really did. It's you know what it did. It sounded like the movies when they when they fire silenced weapons. Uh huh. It sounded just like that. Yeah. It, it it it's it's a round that is closer to that of what you'd find out of an AK versus what you what you normally put into a um uh an AR. Uh, it was designed for the AR pistol primarily versus the AR. Uh, rifle. There were even even an AR rifle with only a you know 14 or so inch barrel doesn't actually have enough barrel to to take care of all the gas that comes out of a 223 or 556 round. So they tend to have a lot of blast, be very loud, um, and uh, can can kick a little bit. Uh, they when you start doing the pistols with a much shorter barrel, something in the nature of you know anywhere from five to seven inches. Uh, if you do put a two, two, three or five, five, six round through it, which you can, it's going to put a whole lot of explosion out the end of that. <laughs> um, so that's what the 300 blackout was, was originally designed to do was to, uh, have a little bit less gas coming out of it. So you wouldn't have an explosion coming out of the end of your, your AR pistol. Uh, but the other side of that is the fact that at that point in time, you can also get a subsonic round. So it's not going to get a sonic boom as it goes. Uh, so when you, when a lot of people talk about having a suppress, sound suppressed AR, they're usually talking about having an, a 300 blackout. Yeah, this thing was was pretty damn pretty damn impressive. In fact, there was a uh, there was some kind of duck or something like that down down range. They're like, Sean, shoot the duck, and I'm like, Yeah, I'm not shooting the duck. Here. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, so I shot like three feet behind the duck and and to the to the right, and the, the duck looked and went, Oh shit, and flew away. They're like, Oh, you missed it. I'm like, Yep, sorry, I missed it. You know. Now, now, now if it had been a snake, yeah, it's been a snake, and the little fucker would be beheaded. But uh, the, there's <laughs> no, I don't do that. But it was interesting, you know. Uh, the I had no great love for it. It jammed twice. Uh, the not the blackout, but the uh, the other AR with which was shooting five five six, which was a loud yep. boom. I wasn't really, I, I didn't think it would boom that big, but it does. It, it catches you off guard the first time if you. Yeah, it does. Heard you're it. like, oh wow, uh, that's more than I thought it was. Uh, so, uh, but you know, it jammed twice, and you had to eject the mag and and pop the round out, and then smack it back in, and all that kind of thing. And my dad. And you could just hear Blana back there, like a piece of you know, just grumbling. Pieces of monkeys, you know. I mean, there he was very disparaging of that. But uh, one of the other things I shot, which was interesting, I got to sight in a uh, three hundred Win Mag bolt action, okay, uh, heavy barrel, and uh, there was a rock about I don't know about a hundred yards away and they had a 20 power scope on it and and uh or, or something like that and holy crap i mean you want to talk about kicking a 300 yes. wind mag will smack and i was wearing a shooting vest with a pad in it and it smacked my shoulder so damn hard just every round and i probably put about 20 rounds in to to sight this thing in one of the old guys at the uh, gun shop I go to can't shoot um, 300 308 anymore because the compression actually popped his retina. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But no, once again, we are talking about somebody who's gone even well beyond the old stuff we're complaining about. Yeah. Um, he, he's got to be in his late 60s, early 70s. Um, but, but, but yeah, he was out there one day doing, uh, I think it was 308 Winchester and... Uh, he said he finally, you know, he couldn't figure out why his eye was so weird, went to the ophthalmologist, and apparently he had detached a retina. 
Yeah, it uh, it does kick. I had it balanced on you know a, basically a, a stump, yeah, and it was it was still popping back on me. I mean, it was just amazing to to, see. and you know when it hits, I mean, it's just this big boom, and and everybody around you knows you're shooting it. I mean, it's it's a pretty big pop. Yeah, it's always fun when you're at the outdoor ranges, the public outdoor ranges versus uh, hanging out with a group of friends at, uh, at the ranch, which I'm jealous of. Um, <laughs> when you go to the public ranges and you've got all of a sudden you, everybody's sitting there firing their anything and everything's loud. But all of a sudden you get that everybody stops to look when something just goes boom. It's, ooh, who's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody brought something. Yeah, I mean, this was that kind of, of boom. Uh, but I mean... It, we got to shoot a bunch of stuff. I mean, I got to shoot a Benelli, uh, again, a different Benelli, uh, when we were tossing some clays and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I've come to the conclusion I'm not a big fan of the Benellis, at least the ones I've been shooting. Uh, the Super Sport, uh, I shot two Super Sports now, and, I, you know, I think I'd rather have my 870 or a Springfield or, you know, a Mossberg or something like that. It's just they're... They feel weird, and maybe that's just because I grew up on an 870 or for the last couple of years, and that's mostly what I've had. But a lot of it is is what you're comfortable with as well. I mean, you know, um, how am I going to put this? I a Benelli. Is, if you're used to driving a Volkswagen, it some sometimes takes you a little bit of time to figure out how to actually work the clutch on a Ferrari. Oh yeah, same concept. Yeah, I mean it's. Like you I, may be able, you may be able to do donuts with your Volkswagen, but you know it's going to take you a little bit of time to figure it out with the Ferrari. <laughs> Theoretically, the Ferrari may be able to do it better. Still going to take you a little bit of time to figure that one out. Yeah, yeah. That plus, you know, I mean, my my eight seventy I got at a gun show for one hundred and eighty bucks, and I put you know a little bit of time and effort and pieces into it and all that kind of stuff. I'm not afraid to drop it. I'm not afraid to lean it up against a tree. I'm not afraid to you know, get it dirty or anything like that. The Benelli, you just treat it like glass. I mean, you just... Well, well, it's it's a good taking, going back to the exact same analogy, it's, you know, with your old Volkswagen, you're happy to park it at the mall. Yeah. With the, with the Ferrari, <laughs> you're wondering who's going to key the thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's just like, man, I don't, man, I don't want it. I don't want to break this. Just, please, just put it, just have somebody else take this. I don't, I don't want to be here with this, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I'd say, I was just, he, he, he dropped it. It's good. He dropped it. Yeah, I didn't do that. Mm. Here, somebody else take this, please. You know, um, which is funny because everybody wanted to see what we had. You know, we sold a couple guns. We we did a bunch of, uh, you know, some horse trading and all that kind of thing. You know, people kept, uh, hey, you want some? We got a deal on some AR-15 parts. You know, Bonnet, just watch Bonnet. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, nothing it, to do it, with it. Yeah, it also isn't uh, all that... Um, confidence building about their ar-15 parts when their ar-15 keeps jamming yeah yeah uh you know and I'm which, like, which which could be which could be anything from not having bought matching parts to you haven't cleaned the thing in god knows how long yeah i mean who knows what that is um i i certainly didn't and i wasn't gonna like if it was a shotgun i could probably tell you what's wrong with it if it's you know, like we had a uh, we had the Desert Eagle 50 caliber out there that, uh, in fact, the guy I sold it to was out there, and uh, <laughs> brought that thing out, and it's so heavy and it's so big and it's just it's nightmarishly huge, and of course you can shoot it, but 
I mean, good luck hitting anything past a certain. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it'll go. I mean, don't get me wrong. The the bullet has great power and trajectory and ballistics and everything, but. God, just keeping that thing just just on the side of your hip, you, you're it's it's so heavy and so big and so clumsy. When I can pull the bursa out and put eight rounds down range and and everything's all fine, you know, uh, this thing, it's an event to shoot it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I I saw a um, firearm meme not too long ago in which it was a uh, a a forty five caliber bullet talking to a nine millimeter bullet and the 45 caliber bullets going, I'm bigger than you. And the nine millimeter went, yeah, but I'm faster and I got more friends. Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically the same thing. Uh, It really is. And it's just kind of funny to see like to some people, bigger does literally mean better. You know, um, the bigger it is, the bigger the caliber, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really matter that they can't hit anything with it or that they don't want to shoot it. It's so like that 300 Win Mag sat next to a tree stump for three hours because everybody was scared to shoot it, you know, because they didn't want to have their shoulder bruised. Um, but, but but even then, you know, the cost per round, I mean, there's a there's a reason that, you know, I've got an AR, but it's a nine millimeter AR versus a two, two, three, five, five, six. Yeah, because even though two, two, three is not disgustingly expensive, it's still not as disgustingly cheap as nine millimeter is. I can go out there with my nine millimeter AR and fire it all day for half of what it would cost me to spend on two, two, three rounds. So and that, so it's the same thing when you start buying some of the larger 308 rounds that you if you're hunting and you need something that big to take down the moose, um, great. But if all you're doing is going to the range to have fun, what's the big deal? Yeah, I'm not really sure uh, that. And, and what's funny is is everybody's got like it's all you know redneck Gucci, right? It's all everybody's in camouflage. Um, there's there's camouflage everywhere, all kinds of real tree and 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 mossy oak and all that all that shit, right? And here I am in blue jeans and a tan shirt and a shooting vest and a Ford hat, right? I look just as redneck as them. It's just I'm not trying to pretend to be a tree. And, <laughs> and you know, they, they're they like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, you can't use that for – I'm like, it's an 870. I can use it for anything. They're like, well, you know, let's go hunting. I'm like, well, really? When was the last time you went hunting? Was, was several years ago. And I'm like uh, – uh, uh, unless you're hunting moose, if you put slugs into that 870, you're going to do just fine. Well, yeah, I'm like, look, the thing I hunt with this is snakes and clays, all right? And I can kill either with whatever I put in it. Now, um, if there happened to be something else I wanted to do with it, there is not much you can't do with a 12-gauge pump-action shotgun um, as far as hunting goes. And the type of hunting in the in the stuff that's around here, there's absolutely nothing you couldn't do. Um, you have to get like up north or to some really wild places to get someplace where you need something severely more than that. Um, and the only other thing I have around here that is stubborn or like we've talked about before is boar. And I have a 45 on my hip for that. Um, um you know, and, and not that I'm hugely familiar with it, but you know, um, my wife's uncle up in Pennsylvania is a hunter and, uh, hunting a buck. He's using 30 out six. Yeah. So once again, not a huge round. Still, you know, and and there's nothing you couldn't take in Texas with a thirty thirty. You know, I mean, it's nothing. So what 
what you do and what you have, you know, they, they've got all this high power stuff and they got it because they like it and it makes a big boom. And I, look, there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to pay for the ammunition and pay for the gun, be my guest. Uh, but oh. if you're actually shooting a lot like we do just to play around and plank and hit clays and, and just to mess around with targeting and stuff, um, may not be the most cost effective. Unless, of course, you go back to being one of those people who's lucky enough to be referred to as a wealthy redneck. Yeah, uh, and they they have uh, a cabinet, and I, when I say cabinet, <laughs> I mean it's a wall of glass, like you would see at Cabela's in the special room. Yes, um, they have. I, one sp- of those. I spend a lot of time there. Yeah, uh, every time I go in there, I, I actually don't mind going in the special room because I know I can't afford absolutely anything in it. So it's like, well, it's, it's this is perfectly safe. It's the other, it's like the one right outside of that, which is all the used guns that people brought in because they think they're they're piles of crap. Those yeah. are the ones I don't want to sift through because every once in a while you'll find something in there that not only can you afford, you want. Uh, <laughs> and that's a problem for me because I normally get those, you know. Um, I got a Springfield sitting behind me that came from uh, a Cabela's off the, uh, off the used rack. I think I paid, I don't know, about 125 bucks for it. Rifle? Shotgun. Uh, okay. Springfield 12 action model 67H, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, I know carving up the stock and putting kind of traditional stuff on it and all that stuff, but um, things older than I am. Uh, well, but, at some point in life, I think what you need to find for your father, just, just to placate him, is a nice Ruger Mini 14 ranch rifle. <laughs> he would love that. He would love that. Uh, and, and, and here comes the best part about it is because they are generally thought to be not nearly as accurate as an AR. And from what you're telling me of your father, I would love to see him take that out there next to the guy with the AR jamming and just show him up. Oh, yeah, he would. He would love that. I mean, he's he's you know, my dad likes rifles. I mean, he's uh, his prized rifle right now is just a, a regular old Marlin thirty thirty lever action. Um, I yeah. have the mate to it, which is a forty four. Uh, 44 mag lever action. Um, they have virtually the same ballistics. I think the 3030's got a little bit more leg, but 100, 120 yards, they're, they're almost exactly the same. Um, and in close, I'd rather have the 44, to be honest. Uh, but he's pretty good with it. Now, he's ex- excellent with a pistol. He loves to shoot shotguns. Uh, but... You know, as far as rifle hunting and and uh, or rifle work or rifle shooting, this the same guy who owns the ranch we're going out to is putting out a uh, or is making. He's got a he rented a bulldozer and he's going to plow it all up and everything. He's making a rifle range up to a thousand yards, and he's oh, putting cool. a series of targets in there. Uh, one at like two, two fifty, five, seven fifty, and a thousand, and I think a hundred as well, and just putting big traps and stops and stuff like that and leaving a four-wheeler out there so you can go and just kind of you know ride between them and and go check your stuff and uh putting the shooting bench out there and everything just just so you can shoot rifles now bono would love doing that he would love doing that um but as far uh, as I, I i never go much farther than 100 if that when it comes to the rifle stuff just because i don't want to have to walk down there further than that to get my target you know, I really can't see much past 100, 120 yards uh, anyway. Like, my well, my long-distance shooting is, or long-distance vision is shot, all right? I know there are some people out there in the world who can do it, but I can't imagine much of us over the age of 40 who aren't needing a scope at that point. 
Well, his daughter is a member of the Secret Service, and she has uh, some other skills as well. Yeah. Um, and she wants a rifle range, so he's going to put one out there for her. And we just happen to be able to benefit from it. <laughs> you know? um, That's nice of him. Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, I'm probably going to be at 100 yards myself, you know, with my my superiorly worked and uh, refinished Lakefield uh, 22 with a giant scope on it. That's I think that's my uh, <laughs> my my fifty dollar gun. I we picked up as a as a as a project uh, for the show. Actually, uh, Buona picked up a little uh, revolver, and I picked up that Lakefield, which is really like a Savage. It's a Savage. Um, in fact, Savage bought Lakefield for the patent for that gun, and they turned it into yeah. a, a, the Savage Bolt Action Twenty Two, uh, which you can buy anything for it. It's still the same thing, um, which is why I knew I could get anything for it if anything was wrong with it very inexpensively but i picked this uh this lake filled up uh for for very little money and it turned out just absolutely gorgeous and that's i sold i actually sold my marlin um automatic 22 uh because i didn't like it as much as the lake field when i got done with it and then uh uh put you know put a big ass uh center point scope on it yeah i mean the only way you could get more generic is buying the ruger 1022 yeah yeah uh no yeah and and uh <laughs> what's funny is i just got in another like estate deal i got that stupid ass marlin or one just like it except it's a magazine load instead of a clip fed back um now it's not near as good a condition because mine was in pre- pristine condition because i take care of my guns this one's a, a, a craptastic uh version of it but i'd it just showed up back in the house, you know, that, that same kind of Marlin uh, 22 automatic. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't get rid of one of these things. What the <laughs> hell? So I'll fix well, that up. Well, I uh, yesterday I had the opportunity to go see uh, the the new Zombieland movie. Oh, and, how was uh, that? Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> I spent, uh, you know, though, at one point in time where this goes is – um. Woody Harrelson even is carrying around the same gun from the first movie, which is a lever action 357 pistol. <laughs> and um, which is hilarious and, and made you want to cry because at some point in time they get to some place peace loving and they melt down his gun. Oh, no. Oh, I, I, I he cried. I almost wanted to cry with him. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I actually, I think that was the, the exact quote. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm sort of coveting, uh, you know, that 357 lever action, whether it's a rifle or a pistol at the moment. So. Yeah. The, well, 357 is neat to have. I just it's it's a lot of bullet for me in a pistol. Um, there's you know, I shot my brothers the other day and I'm like, God, that's too much. It's just too much, you know, at least for me. Well, yeah, but a lever-action pistol is almost like a, you know... Yeah, that's like a, a mini AR rifle. Pistol. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just cut down. Yeah, it's sort of like a shockwave, about the same size as a shockwave, you know? Yeah. It's, it's about that size and about that weight. Um, you're just shooting a three fifty seven instead of a shotgun shell out of it, but, oh. Yeah, see, that it hurt. That it hurt a little bit. Yeah. Still would be fun. <laughs> 
Well, it was it was indeed fun to shoot. It was it was a, a trip to just see all the the big redneck guns out there and see them shoot all this stuff and and uh, we felt pretty good about you know the stuff we had and and uh, you know everybody else felt good too because I, I felt pretty pretty decent about making you know some of the choices we made because you know all the all the big ass hardware they had out there and they were selling half of it because they're like yeah, I don't I don't I don't shoot this I'm like yeah but you were just extolling the virtues of it or, you know not not an hour ago yeah but I, I'd rather shoot something else this this really this kind of hurts my shoulder you know <laughs> and I'm like uh huh uh huh yeah. What are you yeah, looking to we, get? You know, something smaller. So, but we've both been there through that before. We've both been through the, uh, I coveted this, I wanted this, I bought this, and now that I've shot it, I hate it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably what a lot of that was. A lot of that was, I saw it on the shelf, I thought it was going to be absolutely awesome. Yeah, and it I'll wasn't. love that, you know. Yeah. No, no, you won't. And and, and whether it's, uh, <laughs> I love it, but it costs 100 bucks every time I shoot it. Yeah. Or whether it's I love it, but every time I shoot it, it dislocates my shoulder. Yeah. Or I I love it, but it doesn't go bang loud enough. It, it can or, be anything. Yeah, it's great, but I can't hit anything with it, you know. Exactly. Uh so I I I totally understand. You know, we've all been there. If you've if you've had a couple guns in your life, probably one of them has been a dud at some point. And I just, I couldn't get over how much everybody else was doing the same thing, which is just absolutely hysterical to me. Um, just just well, finding it, what it is that you like and what you shoot well and what you what you need to shoot. It's, it's a process. And the only real difference there was the amount of money that some of these people have spent on these things. Oh, my God. Some of it's just extraordinary. Well, you know, you, you, you find it horrifying when you spend a couple bucks on something at, at a gun show and... It's kind of like, nope, didn't like this one, and you know, luckily get to sell it back. But you've got that guy with that Bernelli who sold, who bought it for you know a couple grand, who's now going, I'm not sure I like this one. And you're like, well, well that's a bit of a stretch. You're gonna take a eight hundred dollar hit on that when you sell it, but okay, you know. But it's a Bernelli. It's so great. I'm like, and there is nobody who's gonna pay that for it. You know, I mean, just it's it's not gonna happen. And it's just a lot of money, you know. I can buy six eight seventies, you know, uh huh, for what it's going to cost for that one Bernelli, you know, and outfit each of them for something different, and still come out cleaner. Especially if I buy used, then and if I go to Mossberg, I can do even better than that for what it will cost for that one Bernelli. So I. I I have trouble with those because they're, to me, and I know for like an Olympic shooter or a, a national champion trap shooter or something like that, that's a very different, you know, you may need that. And I totally recognize that. It's not that it's it, not a fine gun. And it, and it also comes down to what your pocket will bear. You look oh, at sure. that, and it's and in the same way I would, and it's kind of like I can't imagine spending that amount of money on a, on, on a firearm and not just absolutely loving it. And yet, I know you do, because I do too, have something in the back of your head that if you won the Powerball that you would be running to grab tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, that's absolutely true. I'd have a Browning Satori so fast it would make your head spin. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and the worst part about it is, is there's still a 50-50 chance that after all that, you buy it and absolutely hate the sucker. Absolutely. But 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 still, as much as we joke about the people who spend that who haven't spent that amount of money on guns, we'd both do the same thing. 
Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not that it's not that I wouldn't <laughs> at all. I just can't imagine in my particular situation doing that on a firearm when I know damn well I can take my time and do some other things and have four to five other weapons in and out of my hands, maybe two of them I really like, rather than putting all my eggs in that particular basket. And then if you happen, if you just happen not to like it, you're kind of stuck with it because no, you like getting your money back out of that's going to be very difficult. Uh huh. And getting the money back out of my used ones that I fix up and buy so cheap that people can't believe it, and then sell them back for more than I bought them for—that's kind of rare. Um, well, well, once again, you have a talent to make them better than what you bought. With if you've got a brand spanking new. You know, the brand that we keep going back to is Bernelli, but, you know, make it whatever you want. Browning, um, uh, Magnum Research, if you're talking sure. about pistols, you know, whatever it may be, you're not going to do much to that to increase its value. No, no. It, it, in fact, in fact, it's kind of like buy, going back to our Ferrari. It's kind of like buying that Ferrari. The moment it left the lot, it lost value. It depreciated about 20 percent. Yeah. yeah. The minute you pulled it off somewhere. So I. I I know for a fact that, that that is true. You know, like if I wanted to get rid of my Bursa, I don't. But let's say I did. You know, I paid 280 bucks for that thing. Yeah. I'd probably get 200 for it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, if I wanted to get rid of it. Because it's a brand new gun, you know. There's nothing wrong with it. I paid retail for it because I really wanted it, just like everybody else. And if I wanted to get rid of it, I'd take a bath on that. I just would. You'd lose 30% of the firearm. You know, that's that's about right. Uh, it's it's that's just how it works. You but, know? but it's also the, uh, you know, <laughs> I was thinking of Dave Chappelle. <laughs> that man had nothing and that bitch took half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but so but what it comes down to is is 20 to 30 percent off of 200 bucks is a whole lot less than 20 to 30 percent off of three and a half grand. Yeah. Yeah. So you go buy, you know, a beautiful 1911 Blackhawk or something like that, or or God help you, one of those combat masters from um, oh, Tactical yeah. or something like that. You know, you're you're three four grand in, and yeah, it's a collector's item. Yeah, it's a beautiful gun. Good luck getting somebody to buy that back from you. For anywhere, yeah. like you're just you just chucked a thousand fifteen hundred bucks out the window if you want to sell turn turn right around and sell that. And that's if you can find a buyer at that price, because that's like the higher up you get, the higher, the harder it is to find. Like we lugged around a uh, uh, Smith and Wesson 44 mag revolver for probably the longest. I mean, that thing was like an albatross. Uh, I mean, we lugged that thing around for probably five, six shows, a couple months before we finally found somebody who'd buy it at two-thirds what we wanted and what we wanted was a reasonably used price i mean that thing sold for half of its value but that's I mean, how much people are willing to pay for it and, and even the dealers are dealing with the same thing i mean i look at the uh aftermarket cage at the the gun show the gun shop i go to and the things like the bursas the glocks and stuff like that they're the ones that go again they don't yeah. last long no whereas the you know the 1911s and the ones that cost a couple grand you know they sit there forever yeah 
They've, he, he's actually had an, an, an old SIG for $1,000 in his um, – uh, in his cabinet that has been there forever and I've teased him about it and apparently it's there on consignment and the guy who has it there just won't let the price go down anymore. It is, <laughs> and he's like, it ain't going to go anywhere. It's going to sit there till it rusts. Basically. I mean, I, and I mean, some people are like, Oh, it's worth that much. Well, yeah, it probably is, but nobody's willing to pay that because it's either not that popular or um, here's, here's an example. Uh, Shannon's prized gun that I thought was going to be mine, and I was completely wrong, uh, is a CCP M2, right? Nice Walther 9mm. Uh, we talked about it a little while ago on the show. And she loved it, absolutely loved it. But the difference between that, the CCP M2, goes like hotcakes, right? The CCP, oh, oh yeah. The CCP, which is just two years younger than it, or a year and a half, something like that, two years younger than it, it's the first model that Walther came out with, just a straight-up CCP, has some issues. Now, they're not over, you know, I mean, the, the weapon's not a bad weapon, but they fixed, Walther fixed so much stuff with the Mark II that nobody wants the CCP anymore. So where you can have, and I've seen it many times because I was looking for a CCP M2, the CCPM2 will be marked for 375 400 bucks. Yeah. Sitting right next to it are two or two or three CCPs at 325 and no one will touch them. The M2 will go within a week of it being on a shelf and those CCPs just sit there and gather dust. Cuz there's just everyone knows that the M2 is better. Nobody wants to mess with the CCP. It'll just sit there. It's not that the firearm's not worth that. It's just there's a better rig out there, and it's not that much more. Exactly. So uh, there's there's all kinds of – and because guns are so prolific and, and very varied and different, you can have something that's very, very similar and just won't sell for, for any number of reasons. That doesn't mean it's not worth it. doesn't mean it's not a good gun. just means nobody wants that right now. And what you got to figure out is sometimes is why. Like, is it a stupid reason? Like, the new one that came out is gold-plated and everybody wants the gold <laughs> one? You know? Or, like, like what is what is the problem? Like, is it, is it just old-looking? Is, is, is there an issue with the firearm that can be fixed with a certain aftermarket part? A lot of times that's the case. Like, yeah, nobody liked the way that felt. Well, if you re-grip it, it's fine, you know? Or... Yeah. You know, in the case of the CCP, uh, CCP and the CCP M2, the, the CCP M2, the big thing with it that nobody liked about the CCP was it's a tooled um, magazine yeah. or a, a, a slide release. Yeah, takedown. Um, the CCP M2 has two big advantages over the CCP. Uh, one is the, the, the trigger has been fixed. Actually, three. The trigger has been fixed because the trigger on the other one was kind of crunchy. The... Uh, indicator at the back of the gun for whether it's ready to fire or not. The red indicator in the CCP is really cool, or the CCP M2 is really cool. And then it's a toolless takedown. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the CCP, but the M2 is just so much better for 50 bucks more that everybody just was like, yeah, I don't want that. So I'm not really sure why it is that the market is like this, but it is that way, and 
buying and selling as much as I do and refurbishing. Now I throw refurbishing cause I buy sort of like, you know, you know, some of those house hunter people you see on TV, we take the worst gun that is of good quality and, and still savable that people want and buy it as cheap as we can and then see if we like it. And if we don't, we sell it. If we think we're going to make a lot of money on it, we sell it. If we really like it, we keep it. And that seems to be working. We haven't lost any money. In fact, we've made a little bit, enough to support our habit. Uh, which well, that's, is really... But that's, that's really all you need. Yeah. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. If you could actually make an honest-to-God business out of it and make money out of it, that sounds awesome. Yeah, but I mean, I, I as, think as if it was a... a... Yeah, I mean, as a retirement job, Vaughn is enjoying it. You know, because yeah. he can kind of do whatever he wants and he can kind of go and do and he has time to do these things. And if he doesn't sell one, he doesn't sell one. He's he's OK. You know, is uh, as, as far as, you know, he still has his other retirement money from his actual job. And he's just using this to play along and get some more cash and pay for some things and all that kind of thing. Um, and as far as you're concerned, it means that you can buy more guns without your wife losing her mind. Yes. Uh, which is a good plan as far as I'm concerned. Um well, yes, because your wife is heavily armed too. Yes, so we and we keep her heavily armed so that she is indeed happy. Uh, hence the Walthers. Uh, but because uh, she's a Walther girl, she just is. She loves the way they're set up. She loves the easy slides and the and the uh, the the soft uh, recoil springs and and all that stuff. She just she likes the Walther systems. Uh, but uh, you know, it's pretty tough to me to. To, for a lot of people to justify a giant purchase like a firearm. And, and I see people do it all the time, and it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, I want this. I'm like, really? What are you using that for? You know, it, I'm always interested. Well, I'm going to do this. Uh, Aria, have you ever done that before? No. <laughs> you ever you ever shot one b- before? No, no, no. Have you, have you ever held one before? No. No, I haven't done that, but I'm going to get one. I'm like, I, look, I respect that. It's no get whatever you want. It's free country, at least it it soon won't be, but it, for now, it's a free country. <laughs> um, you, know, you get whatever the hell you want. I, I'm just, uh, don't you think you ought to? I don't know. Go to a range. You know, you can rent one for twenty bucks or fifty bucks or whatever it is, and just shoot it for the day. See if you like. Well, that's expensive. I could put that money into the gun. Yes. However, have you thought about what happens if you don't like it? Oh, I'll like it. I know I'll like it. I'm like, I I know because yeah. I've thought that before. And Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Been there. You <laughs> you realize lost, you may not lost a lot of money on that idea <laughs> exactly. too. <laughs> exactly. You know how many guns I've said, oh, I love it, and then I've turned out I've hated it, and the ones that I like I. I would have never like if you could ask me. In fact, I think people have asked me like this time last year if I'd ever own a Bond Arm Snake Slayer, and I just used to make fun of Buana ruthlessly for having it because uh, I thought it was the ugliest damn thing. Um, <laughs> I bought it from him, <laughs> you know, because he couldn't work. His hands are kind of old and a, a little bit arthritic, and the hammer was just too hard for him to pull at this point, and he couldn't do it. And he's he it upset him a great deal because uh, he loved the gun, and. I happen to have need of it because I was like, well, hell, one of us needs to have something on our hip. And I, it happened to be me. So I bought it and I love the gun for its utility and that it's light. So light you sometimes forget you have it on your hip. But I, I almost rolled into a cracker barrel with it on. Uh, but 
<laughs> I did. It was on a big, big leather tool belt right on the outside of my pants, too. I get out of the car. Shannon goes, hey there, Tex. You uh, plan on shooting up the Cracker Barrel? Uh, now, now, now I, but out of curiosity, what, I, now, I know if you roll into a Cracker Barrel in, say, downtown Philly, somebody's going to complain if you happen to have any sort of firearm on your hip. However, right outside of Dallas, does that happen? Uh, no, I mean, would, the, any, would anybody have said anything to you if you, if you, I mean, as much as I'm saying that, agreeing that, you know, Cracker Barrel for dinner may not necessarily be the best place to have, have a 45 carry. on your hip. Yeah. Exactly. Open carry uh, 45. Yeah. But, but at the same time, would anybody have said anything to you? You know, probably not. Uh, it would have gotten a lot of stares, you know, but uh, no, probably not anywhere. And we were at a Cracker Barrel in Denton, uh, which is outside of even downtown. You know, it's it's pretty suburban or, uh, you know, outside of, of everything. And it was, I'd say 50-50 whether anybody even said anything. And even if they did, they'd probably go, sir, could you? cover that up you know, or, or something like that. Um, for sure, nobody would have turned me away. No. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm almost picturing Cracker Barrel asking you whether or not they, you wanted an extra napkin for that or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it is a different, it's a different mentality down here. And, and the further out you go, the more acceptable open carry is. I mean, you can go out to where the ranches that I shoot at and you still have pickup trucks with, with uh, rifles and shotguns in the back window. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's... And people open carrying a forty five on their hip. You know, like a Colt forty five, like a 1911 or something. Yeah, I mean, it happens. Oh, it, I, I have another... I have a question for you with regards to your um, uh, your Bursa, though, and carrying it. You sure. uh, you said, as you said, it would it's got an eight-round clip, but would hold nine if you carried one in the pipe. And it's kind of one of those... Do you or don't you questions that you'll have people, as with every other question under the sun, have people firmly on one side or the other. Do you carry with one in the pipe? I don't. I won't. You, um, you won't? I, okay. I'm going to get a, uh, a TLC. Is it or LTC? License to carry. Yeah, LTC. Yes. TLC is a band. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get an LTC and uh, here pretty soon. And no, I probably won't carry with one in the pipe. And I know that's, you know, some people are going to be upset by that, you know, because they're like, well, what the hell are you even carrying for? But, well, I mean, people are going to be some somebody is going to be upset no matter which answer you give on that one. Yeah. Uh, but because I, if because if you do carry one in the pipe, you're going to have somebody who's going to suggest that there is always the possibility that you shoot yourself in the dick. Yes. Um. However, if you don't, then you're going to have somebody who's going to explain to you that in a situation, are you going to be able to wreck the slide fast enough? Uh, and you're going to have somebody who vehemently argues on that one, one way or the other. So I was more just curious as to what your intentions were more than anything else. I mean, I actually do the exact opposite. I do carry with one in the pipe. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to tell somebody else that they have to. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I wouldn't figure you would. But uh, there's, I mean, there's methodology on it both ways. Um, one, uh, I'm in Texas. I'm not going to be the only person who is carrying any given. That's, like, a, that, that's an excellent point. And there, there was an interesting statistic, and they, they said at any given Walmart, 
or any place that's a, a public area, probably one out of 12 people in the state of Texas are carrying a concealed firearm. I, I actually got a kick out of uh, something at our local Walmart uh, not too long ago. It was a guy wandering around with a Glock Perfection shirt on. And, uh, and and there were people who were staring at him and getting all creeped out that he would wear a Glock T-shirt. And <laughs> me, standing there, me standing there in my basic average everyday polo shirt was sitting there thinking to myself as I was hearing people whisper was, yeah, you're laughing at him and yet I'm the one who's armed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I I'm actually could shoot you. <laughs> you know, and, and see in Texas, it's not, it's it's a it's part of our culture here. Um, and I, you know, I've been here since I was 12 years old, and it does take some getting used to uh, how people feel about firearms. Uh, now, if you go into downtown, like large cities, or God help you, if you go to Austin. <laughs> Uh, that's very, very different, you know, anywhere near Austin and it's California light. Right. But the whole rest of the state, like that's where Beto hangs out, right? Austin. Um, the whole rest of the state is not like that. They're, they're very pro gun. They're very like Texas. For those of you who, who are not big on Texas history, which why would you, unless you were here, used to be its own country and they still believe in the Republic. <laughs> they still believe that that time will come again. Come and take it is a big thing here. Like if you, if you don't know what that is, you can, you can look it up. There's not a lot of, of uh, anti-gun sentiment outside of uh, the guy who keeps saying that everybody's just going to willingly give them to him. And see, most of the people around here just laugh. Oh, know? I was, I was on the floor giggling. <laughs> It's just like I mean, I mean, I under, I understand. Really, <laughs> I, I, I disagree with, but I understand the people who you know want to try to enact laws and stuff like that. And, and he's sitting there talking about the fact that he's expecting that anybody will just be happy because we're Americans. Yeah, to hand in our weapons and follow. I'm like, dude, uh, you, we're, because we're Americans, the answer is hell no. Yeah, but especially in Texas. Let me let me give you an idea of how much <laughs> how much this happens. We'll in fact we'll just use this as an example. The come and take it flag is a cannon with the words come and take it. It's black cannon on a white background. Uh-huh. It literally says come and take it on the back end of it. A hundred and the Battle of Gonzales happened a hundred and eighty three years ago. You can still buy a come and take it flag in any Texas Walmart you want to this day. They are very serious about firearms here. Okay. There is nothing like, like my wife was born and and bred in Texas. Okay. She is a Texas girl. She would love nothing more than to secede from the union and become the Republic of Texas again. There are people here who believe this. With their soul, they have they have coastline, they have oil, they have resources, they have all kinds of 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 uh, biomes here. They have uh, resources and everything like that, and they have a lot of guns. Texans are very serious about firearms. So when when you talk about that and you talk about gun pro culture, it's not just the hillbillies and the rednecks and all that kind of stuff. It's in suburbia. It's in like I don't think anything about you know, like a lot of people, uh, like you, for instance, you would probably not not uh, 
bust open a bunch of guns and start working on them with the garage door up so your neighbors could see. No. In, in, in fact, I'm actually sitting here recognizing that one of my windows is open and wondering whether or not my voice is carrying and if any of my neighbors are going to be freaked out just by this conversation. Right. So um, there's there's that kind of thing, right? I do that, and people come up with their guns and ask me to work on them for them. Yeah. Okay? Uh, it's a very different thing. Like, I'll leave uh, gun stocks hanging from hooks and, and fishing line in the sun to dry, and I'll, uh, you know, I've come out to a, a Ziploc bag or, a, uh, you know, a paper bag or something like that with a note taped on it and 50 bucks on it saying, hey, can you do mine too? I mean, <laughs> Jim, <laughs> down the street, three houses down, you know, let me know when they're done. It's a very different culture here as far as firearms go. Um, this is very much a, a culture and a gun pro culture for most of, many if not most of the state. I I can't imagine how difficult it must be in a severely urban and non-historically gun-friendly culture to own or purchase. In some places, it's very, very difficult to purchase or own a firearm. Uh, oh, I mean, I live smack in between two of the most difficult states in the Union, uh, you know, Maryland and New Jersey. And, yeah. you know, my my brother and my father both live in Maryland and have kind of caught the bug for me. And are frustrated as all hell over what I can get, and they can't. <laughs> as I've said, if it wasn't hot down there, it'd be perfect for me. <laughs> well, you ought to come down sometime soon, because, geez, man, I mean, it's nice out. It's like 50 degrees. We've got gun shows <laughs> going on. You know, even even you'd be okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking maybe like Montana one of these days. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, you talk about, like, nobody living, like, nobody could tell you how many guns they have. Yeah, but, the, see, there they have, like, gun, you know, they have, like, the, the prepper cults and stuff like that in Montana. It, 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 that, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's even more than, than pride and culture. That's, that's like, that, cultish stuff going up on over there. Yeah, I'm not talking about joining a cult. I'm just talking about, you know, having a house in a place that looks like a Bob Ross painting. Um, nice little shed out back filled with things that go boom. You know, it's funny because we watch a lot of my wife loves like um, travel channel stuff and everything. And, and we'll be watching things and they'll show these beautifully idyllic fields and canyons. And I'm like, man, there's probably some good skeet shooting going on right there. And she's like, God, is that all you think about? Really? I'm like, well, yeah, you could set the tree, you know, you could set the thrower right there and just shoot over the water. Be gorgeous. You know, I mean. I'm, you know, just think about it. It'll never happen, but just think about it. Think of just setting up a skeet thrower on the side of the Grand Canyon. Oh, man. That'd be great. You could have three shots on the way down if you miss it. (laughs) Fantastic. It'll never happen. No, no. I'm sure they frown on that sort of thing out there. What? What is it? What? I can't do this. Yeah, you're saying like there's a rule or something. You know, that it's it's just a different cult. And I and I'm lucky. I am very lucky that that Texas is so gun friendly. I mean, you can walk into a gun show and it's just so relaxed. It just really is. Like nobody inside or outside. We're wandering around like trying to find the car. We've got like five guns on us. You know, and everybody's. Everybody's just super chill and relaxed. Nobody's panicked. Nobody's like, "Oh my God, they're they're they have an arsenal." You know, there's none of that. Nobody cares. Um, you know, you walk, 
50 yards from the car with a big 45 on your hip and everybody's just you know some people laugh at you some people look see what it is your wife just starts laughing oh crap you know you got to take your gun belt throw it in the car that's that that's just what it is down here Um, there are some spots like i said austin in particular or downtown where they probably frown on that but for most of the part uh, texas is a big freaking state it's bigger than some countries and they're pretty relaxed and pretty pro-gun um Oh, I mean, you know, depending on how elections go and whether or not you guys succeed or not, I I would consider immigrating, you know, northern Texas. Um, You know, I I consider it. I mean, I I think I'd probably have to get rid of my Star of David and trade it out for a cross. But, you know, just just to fit in. (laughs) Me, man, I wear some (laughs) crom, you know, Uh, the riddle of steel. I I think you'd... I think you'd have an easier time convincing a Texan on the riddle of steel than you would on, on Jehovah versus <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're you're talking about like metal weapons, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's fine. That one. Yeah, we can get behind that. It's just, you know, I've actually heard, and this is an actual conversation I've had, like one of Shannon's relatives. And they say it goes like this, all right? And this is this is Texas conservatism. And I know we're mixing religion and guns and stuff like that, but this is hysterical. Like, the first time this happened, you know, and, and we were talking about guns, and this uh, her uncle, Uncle Bill. Uh, and, 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 by the, and by the way, for those of you who live in the north, and because I have, you know, my, my father's side of the family is very northern, but my mother's side of the family is dug in the south like a tick. So for those of you who who don't know, who don't have any southern background to you, if you live in the south or in Texas or any of those types of places, you have an Uncle Bill. Yeah, you have one. Yeah, you just I do. Mean, it, yeah, it may be Uncle. It, it may be Billy Joe. It may be Billy Bob. It may just be Bill. You know, but but you've got one. Maybe Uncle Bill. Maybe Great Uncle Bill. Somebody you have an Uncle Bill. Right? Yes, her Uncle Bill. Uh, was talking, he was very excited because he was trading in his Ruger Vaquero for a Colt Peacemaker. And he was very excited. Uh, he should be. And, yeah, he was. He had, had saved enough cash, and he was trading them up, and, and he found a dealer that he was going to sell them to him and everything. And I'm like, man, you're really excited about, God, about that. And he goes, you know, I don't think there's anybody who who's just as, as good as Sam Colt, except maybe Jesus. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, let's okay. So wait, I gotta unpack that. So it goes in your mind. It goes God, Jesus, Sam Colt. And he goes, man, that's about right. <laughs> okay, good to know. And depending on where you are in in the South, that might have been Robert E. Lee instead of Sam Colt. But oh, man. it's very, very, very similar sentiments. You know, it's just it's, it's <coughs> like right there. It's just it's bred into Texans. You know, it's like firearms are what you do to be free. Um, now they put Bible and booze right up there with it, right? Uh, yeah. So you got a bunch of drunk Christians with guns. <laughs> basically, what well, Texas is. Well, I mean, it, you, you know, you talk about real Texans. You know, you're in real Texas when you start getting places where people still refer to it as the Republic of Texas. You know, you're really in the South when you have people who still refer to it as the War of Northern Aggression. Yeah. Oh, and that happens. Okay. There are people oh, oh, yeah. alive today that that is not a joke. Okay. They believe that the South will rise again. You know, now it's uh, I'm going to go with Jim Gaffigan and say that's because it's never going to happen because they've been eating biscuits and gravy. And they don't have the energy, you know, but um, yeah, 
it's it's not it's it's not a joke down here. They believe like this southern pride is not it is a palpable thing. Okay, that you talk about it like it's in the room with you. Uh because if you're in the the room with a dyed in the wool southerner, it is. Okay, it's bred into them. Um as well as their love of firearms. Like if you try and take firearms from the south, shit is going to take a turn. Okay, I don't care what kind of political regime you got. I don't care what kind of bombs, drones, satellites, whatever it is. You will find that the South will not be disarmed. It's it's just not going to happen. Uh, they do like large caliber weapons. Shiny. Oh, shiny yeah. Too. Oh, be shiny. they're big in that. Yeah, they I, love I, I, stainless I, I, and chrome. Uh, nickel plated. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of that. There's a lot and, of that. And, and that, and that's one of the the funny differences is is you know you and I talk about the difference between myself who tends to like you know a nine millimeter bullet you know handguns versus yourself who tends to go towards towards shotguns. Sure, it's even funnier when you get people who the different who go the difference between chrome and showy and tactical. Oh yeah, and 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 watching that difference is funny. Yeah, in, te- in Texas, it's it's a lot of chrome, a lot of Texas stars on grips, a lot of a lot of engraving work, a uh, lot of lot of custom stocks and grips, and a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of te- you know worked leather uh, on holsters. You know, like uh, there's just uh, there's a lot of that, a lot of a lot of chrome, a lot of stainless, a lot of stainless. Yeah. Around here, there's all there's a there's a lot of polymer, a um, lot of. Uh... Uh, uh, nitride coating and, um, oh, sure. uh, you know, uh, how much more can you attach to the firearm? <laughs> you know, I, uh, it, yeah, it, it's funny. You get some of them, you get, every once in a while you'll see somebody pull out something at the range and it's kind of like, where do you still grip that? Yeah. And down here, they, they'll look at that and you'll get, you'll get this reaction. I've heard this many times at a range and other places you'll, you'll get, Son, you need to learn how to shoot that. Take all that crap out of it. <laughs> Take all that crap off of it and learn how to shoot it. You know, and it's difficult to argue with that because those same freaking big old rednecks with their boots and their their cowboy hats and all that kind of stuff can take that nineteen eleven at their hip and at you know twenty five yards hold a pattern the size of a you know of, uh, four or five inches, and they're putting forty five caliber ACP downrange. You know, and it's like. Oh, <laughs> like Southern boys learn how to shoot. I have never, and I, you know, I, I really have never figured out their love of like Texans love a thirty thirty. They love them. They love them. Love them. Love. Them. They have a love that's, affair with a thirty thirty. That's a. I think it's like a historical, traditional thing more than anything else. It must be because they friggin' love a thirty thirty. You can't keep a thirty thirty. Uh, like we've had several, and the only one my dad kept is the the Marlin he's, he has. We've had several of them. We cannot keep them for longer than a couple of weeks. A Texan will buy them. Um, they love thirty thirties down here. They really do. That's a good hunting gun right there. That's good. That's good gun. It's good hunting gun. <laughs> buy that shit. They don't. They do not care. And the first thing they do is stick about two hundred dollars worth of optics on top of it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okie dokie. Oh, oh, and whereas around here, and I think I even sent you a picture of it, you'll actually see people who will take a lever-action rifle and tactical it out. 
You know, I've never really got that. Now I'll western it out. Oh, well, but but that's you know you're going back to the traditional lever action, you know, wood wood um, framed, you know, yeah, well, style, no. which is know. what I gravitate towards anyway. Yeah, but but why buy that and then put a tactical foreign grip on it? You know, I don't. No, I mean, I'm not... I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a technical foreign grip. If you want that, there are firearms made for that. Oh yeah, no, in any caliber, in any style, and all that. But oh, why yeah. a lever act? Like a lever act just seems weird to me that that choice is is what you're doing. There's there's plenty of other actions that are just kind of I don't know better for that. Probably cheaper too, because lever actions are not cheap generally speaking. No. I don't know. I, I don't know why that is, but it is a trend. It's it's and it's something that's happening now, and I just I don't freaking get it. <laughs> no, it's not something that happens as much down here. Um, they're they're normally they western stuff out here. Like if I really want to sell something and it's not moving, I will engrave or or carve into the stock uh, a Texas star, and, and it'll uh, go in about ten minutes later. Yeah, yeah. You can take it to any show, and we won't get in the door with it. Someone will buy it from us. Um, period it's just that's that's just what happens so you know anything now we just start putting texas stars either on a holster or on a stock or you know whatever or um like on the the case of rifles you can put some um some leather some latigo on it or, or maybe a, a saddle or or something like that and just western it out maybe maybe get a scabbard you know you can buy a 30 dollar kind of imitation looking <laughs> leather scabbard and the, it'll uh -huh. sell It'll sell so fast it'll make your head spin. And I do not understand it, but it is the culture down here. That's just what works. At the end of the day, as long as you're having fun. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I did have fun with the Bursa. I had uh, I had some fun with the, the uh, AR-15s. I'm not, I'm not really in love with them. I, I like my 44 lever action better uh, for, for anything I would use it for. But it was interesting to see them. The blackout was very interesting. That was... Uh, that was very strange, just to to see a gun that big with a bullet that hard and and uh, or hardcore and just goes thwip, you know. Yep. You know, I was like, wow, that's impressive. I can see why somebody would consider that unusual and and be worried about it because you would never hear it. I mean, you get far enough away from that, you'd never hear it. Nope. Um, and that's to me, that was one of the most dangerous guns there. Uh, if you if you took it out of context, yeah, you yeah, know, uh, difficult to silence a shotgun. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. I mean, it, it it can be done. It can be, but uh, mm, there's easier ways to go about things. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, you, you usually end up with something. You know, the 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 suppressor cans on those tend to end up being another like almost like foot and a half on the end of the barrel. Though. Yeah, good luck holding it up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> You need a bipod just to carry the thing around. But, um, you know, I, at the same time, I've got a, a four-inch cuts compensator on the end of mine. So, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> I can't. I can't really speak much. It's I've got a heavy front front end uh, on on my Wingmaster. So, um, you know, it, it takes all kinds. We uh, we love shooting. I've I've gotten into the, the pistols here recently. I think uh, as soon as we get a range down at the ranch we're shooting at, I'm probably going to be a little bit more into rifles. But uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. You got anything else uh, interesting or fun you did this week, sir? No. Wish I did. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right on. 
Well, uh, I think uh, with that out of the way, we have uh, yammered about Southern Pride. We've done uh, Southern Guns, <laughs> how it works in, in Texas and other places, done some pistols and some AR action, and uh, I think that's what we're going to close it on. So uh, we will catch you again next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. If you're interested in more content like this or podcasts, check us out at hawkseyeguns.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.